Good morning. Thank you for being here today. It's a wonderful day. Uh, the best climate in California, right here. And the best people in California, right here too. And uh, the best food, which is very important too. Thank you for coming and thank you for participating. Thank you for singing and playing music and it's all for the glory of God. Amen. It's not for our own glory. It's a privilege for us to worship him. Privilege for us to have freedom, to have this wonderful building which is maintained, well maintained and kept. Pride and humility. It's not very often when you hear about pride. When was the last time you heard this sermon fully uh, focused on, on pride or humility? <clears throat> Let me begin with a story. There was a flight and uh, the flight was long and bumpy. One of those flights when your stomach is you know, not feeling so well. And this made even worse during the time of landing when the plane had a very rough landing. But this particular airline, the, the pilots were asked to stand by the door, uh, by the exit door and greet all the passengers and wish them happy, happy day, happy time. And thank them for flying with them. So the pilot was dreading this because of the landing was so rough and because of the, the whole flight was very, very bumpy. But he came to stand by the, by the door no one said a word, which was a good thing. He was surprised by that. But then there was one last passenger, an elderly lady, walking with a cane, and she said, Captain, may I ask you a question? Sure, answered the captain. Did we land or were we shut down? We want praise from people. It's so natural for us when somebody is praising us, something inside of us, deep inside of us, is like a, a little pleasure there. Feels good. Muhammad Ali, you remember this, this man? Sure. Heavyweight champion in boxing. He was taking a seat it was on, on the, at the culmination of his boxing career. He was well known. He was taking his seat at uh, 747 that was starting to taxi down the runway to take off. The flight attendant was walking by and she noticed that Ali didn't buckle his seat belt. So she said, please fasten your seat belt, sir. 
He looked up proudly and snapped. Superman didn't need no seat belt. Without hesitation, the, uh, she's, uh, she looked at him, stared at him, and she said, Superman don't need no plane. I always like to define the words. To be proud or pride, what does it really mean to you? What does it mean to be proud? What is an example of positive way of using the word pride or to be proud of? I think we as parents are proud of our children when they accomplish things like graduate, get a diploma, start their first job. Yes. Um, and eventually I'll be proud of my children when they get married too. That's right. <laughs> and your grandchildren? to be proud about something positive in their lives? How about, how about if they make good moral decisions when they're teenagers, going somewhere for a birthday party, or you know, being in school, maybe in, in college, going to a party and they decide not to use drugs, which are offered to them. We can be proud. And we use the word proud in a positive way because in one way we use it, it's a pleasure, deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements, qualities or possessions or those of someone with, with whom one is closely, closely associated. A proud grandma, for example, of three boys. We can be proud of veterans that served defending our country. We, we are proud about something that is positive happening when we make the right decisions. When our kids uh, growing up, going through the school, and then they are getting great, good or good paying jobs, we can be proud of them. What are the other words that we can use instead of the word to be proud of? What are the synonyms of the word proud? Maybe honored. Honored, okay, honored. sure. Honored. Honored. Anybody else? For me, personally, when it comes to children, when, they, when, my, when our children, they do something that really, like, wow, I praise God because there's nothing that, that we did or anything. It just, God is so amazing and great, and our children are so willing to listen to, to what God wants them to do that I really praise God for mm -hmm. every time they do something that 
surprised me or amazed me, like, oh, God, thank you, that I don't have to worry about them on that area. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Amen. Yes. I, I think we could honestly say we're humbled. Uh-huh. I think we could use them interchangeably as long as we ascribe the glory to God, like Mary Angelou's saying. Amen. If we take the credit ourselves, maybe pride is more the word we use. If we give the glory to God, we are humbled. And that's true. We use uh, the word pride so much in a, in a way that is positive that we forget that the word pride has another meaning, secondary meaning, uh, or maybe number one meaning, which is to be selfish, to feel superiority. But if you are using proud in a positive way, you can say, I'm so glad, or I'm so happy about something. Delighted, joyful, overjoyed, thrilled, pleased, satisfied, appreciative of. And of course, give glory to God. Always give glory to God. When somebody is praising you, don't forget that it's, it's not something that you accomplished in life, but it's something that you accomplished together with God. And God, uh, there is a, uh, God's word that is used for God the Father who liked so much what his son did. Do you remember it happened at the baptism of Jesus? What the, the word is used there? This is my beloved son. Can you imagine? And I went through all the translations. If, if you can find translation that is saying, that is my beloved son with whom I'm, um, um, that I am so proud of him. You cannot imagine these words used by Heavenly Father. Some reason it doesn't work. And so all the translators felt that way. And so you would not find probably a translation. Uh, I couldn't find. So the word is used by some translations, delighted, or who brings me great joy. But I'd never seen, I'm so proud of my son. <clears throat> in our human language, the way we use it, yes. But when you're speaking about God, that he's proud, something. Yes. He was joyful, pleased, uh, appreciative, uh, delighted. And the second meaning that we, we forget to use and uh, our, our, in the time we live, uh, to have pride is praised of. And the second meaning, which is a negative meaning of this word, is uh, excessively high opinion of oneself, one's importance. An example is a proud, arrogant man So why do people have pride? What, what is the mechanism? Why, why, why do we like it so much? Why it's natural for us? 
It's probably because we think we look better. If we compare others, if we put them down, and if we say, let's say, for example, you know, I'm not such a bad man. Yes, I'm a sinful man. But when it comes to people that sit in prison, that killed someone, committed horrible crimes, I am better, right? I am better. What was the very first sin that entered the universe? It was pride. Exactly. Isaiah 14 explains to us how the angel became a devil. The question is, did God create the devil? No. Why do we say so? You're correct. He created beautiful angel named Lucifer. Beautiful, smart. Best singer. Uh, he was actually conducting and best singer. Yes, cherubim, leader of heavenly choir. He could have been. Uh, over there when, you know, all the choirs are singing continually because what we see uh, in Revelation, there is a picture that God is praised every time, every moment. And that there are singing is going on in heaven there. But instead of that, what happened to him? Chapter 14, the book of Isaiah. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest side, sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. So what was the Lucifer's problem? One letter. I. He had an I problem. If you read it again, it's like, I will, I, I will, I will, I will. So what God did, he gave free will to all the angels. He didn't want them to become machines who honor him, who worship him without will, he gave Lucifer a choice. And Lucifer chose to rebel against God. And actually, he wanted to become God. Ultimately, pride is a form, form of idolatry because you worship and the focus of your worship is yourself. Me, myself, and I. And Ezekiel chapter 28 says that Lucifer's problem was power. He wanted power, position, possession, intelligence, appearance, and more. He wanted what God has. 
which is praising God, worshiping God. Do you know the examples of people in the Bible that had this type of pride? Uh, the pride that Lucifer has, and are there examples of people? Judas. Yes, yes. Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. He went in Babylon and looked at the hanging gardens of Babylon, which was like one of the seven wonders of the world, and and he praised himself, not God, at all. Pardon me? That's right. That's right. Uh, he was, he wanted uh, to reduce the number of kids and he wanted to, uh, midwives to start throwing them into denial, especially, of course, boys. And um, when God showed to him the miracles, he would not take and, and make the decision that he was supposed to make. Pride. Anybody else in the Bible that we see that had some pride? Amen. All right. Haman. Tell us a little bit about this story. Well, he just couldn't stand this um, gatekeeper who was a Jew and he wanted everybody to put him on a donkey and say wonderful things about him. So he devised an evil plot to kill Mordecai, but it didn't work out very good for him. No, it didn't work. In a similar way, King Darius also probably was not a wicked king, but he also fell for the prince's idea that to make a law that everyone should worship him for 30 days. And he was planning uh, uh, glory for himself and in, he ended up actually humbly go in front of the person that he hated so much. Uh, and, and, and that was truly an interesting story. And of course, let's not forget the most meek person of the Bible, Jesus. And some people say that to be meek and humble means uh, to be a doormat. And, and it means, for some people it means to be weak. Like a real man, they, they would not be meek, you know, humble. What do you say? Can you be meek and humble and at the same time uh, uh, not to be a doormat? Yeah. So meekness, the definition is patience under provocation. Uh, and it takes a lot more strength to be patient under provocation than it does to blow up. Do you remember Jesus, what he, what he experienced one time at least? Or maybe some people think it happened twice time in his, his ministry when he went to the temple? You remember that? So he was, he, he was not weak in that moment. When he cleansed the temple from the money changers, he, it was scary for them. But it, he, he did the right thing. He didn't hit anybody, but he was scary there. 
Mark uh, 21 or uh, Mark 11 and Matthew 21 uh, have these stories about cleansing of the temple. You know, there's also a, an aspect of the fact that um, Jesus was jealous for his father's glory. You know, this should be in house of prayer. You know, you've defiled my father's house. And there's, there's a certain element of uh, righteous indignation that's allowed throughout, you know, the Bible and history where you're not defending yourself. You know, you're not defending your own reputation and what have you. So you're patient under provocation to yourself. But there's also, like, taking action and making steps to protect other people. That's right. That's right. Defending other people, right? Um, a lion was awakened from the sleep by a mouse running over his face. Uh, rising up angrily, he caught the mouse and was about to kill him when the mouse said, if you spare my life, I will repay your kindness someday. The lion wasn't hungry, so he decided, oh, just let it go. He laughed and let it go. And it happened shortly. Uh, after this, the lion was caught by some hunters who bound him with strong ropes. The mouse recognized the lion's roar, came, chewed on the ropes, and set him free. The mouse then exclaimed, you did not think that I would ever be able to help you. You now see that it is possible for even a lion to need the help of a mouse. As a sin, pride is unique. What's the difference between sin as a pride and all the other, almost all the other sins? There is a difference. Well, it's a sin that has no need. Had, had it has no need. No need. Okay. That's right. Ellen White wrote that uh, um, pride is... Um, the hardest sin to overcome, almost impossible, because you do not see the need to change. You think that you are doing, doing everything right. That if you believe, that's the way everybody else has to believe. Your life also is a model for everybody else. There is one more difference also. Most sins turn us away from God. But pride is a direct attack upon God. Pride, it's wanted, wanting what God has. Do you remember the sin in Eden? We call it sin. Eating an apple, let's say, we don't know what fruit it was, but let's call it an apple. Eating an apple is not, is not a sin. So what was the sin that was committed by, by first people? Disobedience. God told them not, them not to eat the fruit of that the tree of uh, knowledge right. of good and evil. Right. And Satan, or Lucifer, lied to them and said, you'll be like God. And that really intrigued them. 
Adam and Eve, they both thought, what is it like to be like God? So what you are saying is exactly what we're discussing here. To be like God, it's wanting the position of God. It's, it's a pride. So what they were offered by Satan, exactly what Satan wanted in the beginning for himself. Now he's offering for them the same thing. Like, if you have this, if you go into doing something that God said, do not do that, you are going to be like God in knowledge. You will, your knowledge will increase. So what he offered to them is pride. And then uh, the serpent with wings, it was the most beautiful creature, um, said it was given, well, the Lucifer through his voice, ventriloquist, and said, see, I have the power of speech, so they would have powers yes. that they didn't possess, mm. right? <laughs> Adam and Eve. There, was a there is a parable in Luke chapter 18, uh, verse 9 and further. And it's about two people that came to pray. You remember this parable well, probably. There was a Pharisee. How did people, what did people think about Pharisees in those days? Today, it's, it's a kind of derogative uh, name, right? If I call anybody, you're a Pharisee, it's, it's not good. Doesn't sound good, right? But in those days, it was actually considered to be a very honorable thing in the society. It was a club of elite people. Only uh, those people who um, were aristocrats, they were not working in the fields, they did not tan animals. These were very highly educated people of, of that time. If you, if you are a Pharisee, raised a, a Pharisee as a boy, Listen to this, this is very interesting. When you are turning to be two years old, you would have to take this, uh, the scroll of the law, the Torah, and they would put honey on it. And you, you, you have to lick it so that the earliest memory would be how sweet are your words in my taste. Yes, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. When the boy becomes four years old, a Pharisee, uh, he would start memorizing the book of Leviticus. A lot of laws there. By 12 years old, he had to memorize Genesis through Deuteronomy. Not only like context, this is what this chapter is saying, this is what this chapter is saying. Memorization of every word. The five books of Moses by 12. And then at 12 years old, they would promise um, to take the yoke of the Torah upon themselves and vow to keep the law of God. And they kept the hours of prayer. Three times a day they would pray, no matter where they are, marketplace, in the middle of the marketplace, uh, any public place, they would kneel down facing the, the temple and pray. They didn't just tithe the, the money, but they um, tithe everything. You know, anything in their garden, any fruits, um, 
uh, any spices, everything had to be tithed. The publican on the other side, the publican, was the person that had very bad reputation in the community. They were cheating on people. They were lying, deceiving, taking somebody's money. Sometimes they were rich, sometimes they were poor. But they were not doing very well in the society because they, they worked for the enemies as well. So these two men stood in the temple to pray. One was in front, the Pharisee was in front. The publican was kind of in the back. And the Pharisee praised himself in the prayer. God, thank you that I'm not like other people. You know that Pharisees in their prayers, uh, in actual prayers, they, male, of course, uh, they would thank God that, that they were not born as, as women. <laughs> a Pharisee could not talk to a woman on the street. So... They were devoted to God, man, and it looked like the model for everybody else. And this man said just one phrase. The publican said one phrase. Do you remember that phrase? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Forgive me a sinner. God, have mercy on me. Yeah, be merciful to me a sinner or something really like that. Very short prayer. But admitting who he is and admitting the need of God, and that's what we need. There is nothing more offensive to God and, and dangerous to the human soul as pride. Of all sins, Ellen White says, is the most hopeless and most incurable sin. Who humbled himself the most? Jesus. He said, I am gentle and humble in heart. What is the most humble place in Judea at the time of Jesus? In Jerusalem. The place of the cross. Just picture the cross, crucifixion. They were naked. Exposed to the world. They were humiliated, spit upon, beaten. Jesus was flogged. And I don't know if you know what flogging means. It's a whip. It's a whip. And at the end of, of, the, of the leather stripes, there is a hook. So when it strikes the flesh... It's not just tearing up a little bit of the skin. It's taking some of the muscles, tearing the muscles. And most people would not survive that. So um, people, if they would not be taken care of, meaning speed up their death, some of them were hanging on the cross for days. 
So it's a humiliation, it's, it's a great suffering, unimaginable suffering. And being at the cross, that's one of the most humble positions for us because it's because of our sins. All of this happened. Our sins, all of the sins were present at the cross and it was laid on Jesus. So basically at the end, I would like to summarize it and say this. The primary characters of Jesus Christ and Lucifer are at war within us. Pride on one hand, that's what Lucifer is all about. That's what he is offering to his followers. That's what he demonstrated. And then you have humble spirit, gentle spirit of Jesus Christ. And this is at war at us. When somebody is praising us, immediately our natural desire is to hear it more. You're my friend. Suddenly, anybody who praises me is my friend. So today, I'm asking you to consider to look deep inside of yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you who you are because we cannot see it without the Holy Spirit. If we have pride deep down in our hearts, it's dangerous for people who surround us, for those who live with us. It's not a good place to be with a proud and selfish person to live is not a good thing. It's not good for our children. We're not good models as Christians. But the most important thing is that we cannot be in heaven. We cannot have relationship with Christ and God if we are selfish people. Because our desire is to be, to take his place, to take his throne. And that's why Selfish people are never concerned about people around them. They might pretend they, they are. I mean, uh, people that do not humble spirit, they're in churches. They're not outside only, but they're also present in churches. And sometimes I see that people seek great recognition from people, power. And that's something that is very hard to overcome. So humbleness is not praised, never be praised by this society. But we as people of God, we should seek to be more humble every day. In Jesus', in Jesus name, we pray that we want to do it. Amen.